Thanks for listening to this sermon podcast from Pleasant Hill Baptist Church in Somerset, Kentucky. Please make sure to visit us online at phbcsomerset.com. Well, good morning. I appreciate Brother Corey inviting me to and giving me an opportunity to fill in for him. I told Brother Charles, when I'm up here, you know he has reached the bottom of the barrel. If you have a Bible this morning, turn to the Gospel of John, chapter number 14, Gospel of John, chapter 14. I'm going to read a very familiar passage of Scripture and talk just for a few moments, but I do appreciate Brother Corey, I really appreciate Brother Danny this morning taking care of all the announcements and all that type of stuff, and Devin and Brenda, you always do such a good job with our music, so thank you for, for that. John chapter 14, going to read the first six verses. <clears throat> Don't let your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If not, I would have told you. I am going away to prepare a place for you. If I go away and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself, so that where I am, you may be also. You know the way to where I am going. Lord, Thomas said, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. Amen. Uh, this morning, I want to uh, share a message with you that just simply titled this, Why I Want to Go to Heaven. Why I Want to Go to Heaven. And I guess I could put the pronoun we there as we talk about the church, but uh, particularly about why go to heaven. Well, let's start with some basic information. The Bible says really that there's only two choices for eternity. Only two. Uh, there's a, I've always heard it said, you know, there's a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. Only two. Two classifications really. People that are saved, people that are lost. You've got people that are Righteous in Christ and those that are unrighteous in their own sins. Uh, Jesus compared us sometimes to sheep and to goats. So there's really only two choices. That's it. A lot of choices in life. A lot of choices of what we can do for careers, for education, for recreation, for cars that you want to drive. We all There's tons and tons of choices. Go to Walmart, to Kroger's, and uh, you find out there's a lot of different types of beans. I preferred my granny's and her cornbread. Lots of choices, but there's really only two choices. There are only two choices for eternity, heaven and hell. And I want to talk with you just for a few moments and tell you why I want to go to heaven. And I hope that if you've not made plans to go there, that you will before this service is over. Because if you really get to understand what heaven is and where it's at and who is there, then you will really begin to have a hunger and a desire to want to go there, to make that your eternal destination. First thing that I would tell you is this, heaven is a perfect place. Perfect. You know, we've made the we have made statements before. I say we, I have, you know, on a, we've had such pretty fall days here and you'll go outside and you'll say, boy, it just ain't it, isn't it just a perfect day? And to us, it, it's, you know, as close to perfect as we can get. 
maybe you've got a favorite destination place, a vacation spot that you like to go to that is just your favorite because it's just, it's just so perfect for, some, for whatever reason. The, the view or the setting or whatever, the weather, the climate. It's just like, that's where I want to go. That's just, that's just perfect. But I want to tell you that there's really one perfect place, and that's a place called heaven. We find more about heaven written in the book of the Revelation, references to heaven, than in any other book. And in the book of Revelation, heaven is described in three different terms. First of all, heaven is described as a tabernacle. The tabernacle pictures heaven as a place of perfect fellowship with God. Heaven is perfect because it is described as a tabernacle. You know, the old, in the Old Testament, the tabernacle is what the children of Israel used. They, it was this mobile tent, so to speak. They could tear it down and, and, and carry it with them. And then when they got to where they were, they would set it back up again. It symbolized the presence of God with the people as they were, as they were soldiering, as they were traveling on their journey. They would go. It was, and it represented the presence of God. And there they could worship, they could fellowship. In the New Testament, we, we are considered, the Bible says our bodies are the temple of God because God's Spirit now resides inside of us. And that's how we fellowship with Him because His presence is there. But in the book of Revelation, heaven's described as a tabernacle. Pictures heaven as a, perf, a place of perfect fellowship with God. No matter how close you are to God down here, because of our, our battle with our sin nature and the different things, we, we, it's, it's impossible, it's very hard, I should say, to maintain perfect fellowship with God. But in heaven, we will have perfect fellowship with God. Second place, the second uh, term that is used in the book of Revelation to describe heaven, it's described as a city. Heaven is a city. It pictures heaven as a place of Perfect protection. We don't think about it as much in our world today, in our society, but in, the, in, the, in Bible times, the, the people were only as strong or they were only as secure as the city was strong. In other words, the, the wall of the city. A lot of the, a lot of the you know, Old Testament, they had walls around the city to build. It was, it was protection. It kept the enemy out. It at least made it hard for them to get in. They just couldn't walk in during the night. and So they had protection. Did you know that heaven is a place that is described as a place of perfect protection? Jesus described it as a place where the uh, thief cannot enter in and steal. Moth and rust cannot corrupt this place that's called heaven. Third place, third picture of heaven in the book of Revelation is it's described as a garden. Shows heaven as a place of perfect provision. It's a garden. A place of perfect provision. Where everything that we need is in abundance. Everything to provide for us. Don't have to worry about the cupboards being bare. Refrigerator being empty. Or the milk being expired. It's a place where... Perfect provision is made by God. You know, uh, when you you think about that, a place where everything is just perfect. Everything that we need perfectly provided. One time, 
uh, uh, Billy Graham was on the Larry King show. And, and Larry asked Billy one time if they would be golf in heaven. Would there be golf in heaven? And, and, and Billy very wisely, and he looked at him and said, Larry, if it takes golf to make you happy, there'll be golf in heaven. Everything that you need for perfect provision will be there. The Bible says Paul describes heaven in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. He says this, he said, I knew a man about 14 years ago. He said, whether in the body I cannot tell or whether out of the body I cannot tell, God knows. Such a one caught up to the third heaven. He said, and I knew such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell. But God knows how that he was caught up into paradise. And he heard unspeakable words, which is not lawful for a man to utter. He said he was caught up to the third heaven. This man, whether in the body, I don't know. Was it real? Was it a vision? I don't know. But he said, I saw things. It was paradise. I heard Jerry Vine say one time, he was the pastor then at First Baptist Church in Jacksonville. I heard him say one time this. He said, we see the first heaven by day. We see the second heaven by night. We see the third heaven by faith. Heaven is a perfect place. It is described in the book of Revelation as a tabernacle, as a city, and as a garden. I want to go because heaven is a perfect place. i tell you why else I want to go. I want to go to see the beauty of that city. There was a little girl. She was out at night taking a little walk with her dad. Stars were out, a clear night. And, and she looked up and saw all those stars. And she said, Daddy, if the wrong side of heaven is this pretty, what must the right side be? You've been out on a pretty night and you've seen the stars and the moon. Everything's just shining so bright and it's so clear. And folks, we are only seeing just a glimpse of the beauty of that place. Listen to what Revelation says in Revelation chapter 21. John said, The city lieth four square, and the length is as large as the breadth. Breath. And he measured the city with the reed, 12,000 furlongs. The length and the breadth and the height of it are all equal. He measured the wall thereof, 144 cubits, according to the measure of a man. And the building of the wall of it was of jasper, and the city was pure gold, locked unto clear glass. And the foundations of the wall of the city were garnished with all manner of precious stones. Adrian Rogers said it this way many times. I've heard him on radio or a podcast. He said, heaven will be all that the omniscient mind of God can conceive and all that the omnipotent hand of God can create. Revelation chapter 22 John said, and he showed me a, a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the midst of the street of it, on either side of the river, was there the tree of life, which bare twelve manner of fruits, and yielded her fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God, and of the Lamb shall be in it, and His servants shall serve Him. Heard somebody say, and I don't remember who to give the credit to, but every time I read that, I think of it, uh, Travis, is that said, servants are going to serve him. What do you reckon they'll be doing? 
whatever the king wants, whatever that he wants. And they shall see his face, and his name shall be in their foreheads. There shall be no night there, no need of a candle, neither light of the sun. For the Lord God giveth them light, and he shall, and they shall reign forever and ever. You've heard that passage of Scripture before. It says, The eye hath not seen, nor the ear heard, neither has it even entered into the heart of man the good things which God hath prepared for those who love Him. I want to go to heaven because heaven is described as a very, very beautiful place. I'll tell you another reason why to go to heaven. Why I want to go is I want to, I want to meet and to see the people that are there. I want to go and see the people that are in heaven. You know, there are some amazing folks, individuals described in this Bible that God used in just extraordinary ways. We've been studying Daniel uh, in our Sunday school class and uh, what an example that he is. I, I, Daniel will be there. Adam and Eve, the first man and the woman. Noah was a, described as a preacher of righteousness who built an ark and, just, and saved him and his family from a worldwide flood. Moses was just simply a shepherd who God used in a mighty way to deliver the children of Israel across the Red Sea on dry ground. That could make for an interesting little afternoon talk, couldn't it? To see how did, how did that, what was that experience like? Another shepherd that we read about is King David who slayed Goliath as a little boy when all the mighty warriors and all the mighty soldiers were too afraid to go out and to do battle. David said, I'll go. Wouldn't even trust the king's bare armor. Wouldn't even take any of that with him. He said, I'll just go like I've always went. Little rock, a sling, in the name of the Lord. And he was victorious. Solomon, described as the wisest man who had ever lived. Uh, the Lord's apostles, many of all those will be there. Peter, James, John, Andrew. The Apostle Paul. A man that was so wicked that the very mention of his name struck fear into the heart of the first century church who God miraculously changed by His grace and did a 180 in his life. The Apostle Paul who founded churches and did more for missionary work, I guess, than anybody that has ever lived and wrote so much of the New Testament. He'll be there. I'll tell you what else. We go to the book of Hebrews chapter 11, that roll call of faith. And you know, we spend so much time at the beginning of that chapter. It's a long chapter, but the names that I just read, many of them are there. But then at the end of that chapter, the writer kind of breaks off of the, of the beaten path and kind of gets off and chases just a little bit of a rabbit trail there. And he says this, he said, women who received their, de their dead raised to life and others were tortured, not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. He said, and others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn asunder, they were tempted, were slain with a sword, they wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, and torment, of whom the world was not worthy, they wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. I'll tell you somebody that's not in the listed in, in Hebrews chapter 11 specifically is my sweet granny. Y'all ever, y'all, I, I don't know where y'all are from. I call them grannies. Grandmother's what you use when you're being formal, I guess, and writing something, but. I went to Granny's. I wanted to know where the cookie jar was. She used to keep cookies in there when I was little. 
sang alto. Boy, she could really sing. And she liked to sing. And you didn't have to have a microphone to hear. She sang praise to the Lord. She'd invite Suzanne and I when we were uh, first married and, and she was able to do it. She'd invite us over for supper and we'd have breakfast. I know we did, y'all did that for a Wednesday night here. Boy, I'm telling you what. The only thing Granny didn't like to do was open a can of biscuits because it scared her. She made Papa open the biscuits. But boy, she'd fry that sausage and fix that gravy. And I'm telling you what, I don't want to take anything away from your mother or your grandmother's. She had the best fried apples I'd ever eaten. I, it was amazing. She had this way with, with babies. And she'd always say, I've never had an ugly grandchild. I'd say, now granny ain't supposed to, it ain't bragging, she'd say, Darren, if it's true. Boy, she was faithful. She loved God. She loved her husband for, for years. She's gone on now to be with the Lord. And I think about her so often. But I know that I'm confident based on the testimony of her life that God had done a work in her and her, His grace was evident in her life that she's in heaven. She's there. She's one of the people that are there. Listen, I've never met David or Daniel or the apostles, but I've met my granny. I know her. Somebody that I know, she, she's there. Without any doubt, without any reservation, based upon the authority of God's Word, I have hope to know that Granny is there. Revelation chapter 7 says, After this I beheld, and lo, a great multitude, which no man could number, of all nations and kindreds and people and tongues, stood before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with right robes and palms in their hands. The Bible says that we shall know even as we are known. That heaven is a very populated place. I think it's big enough. I don't think we'll feel too crowded. But it's very populated. Lots and lots of people are there. The last thing that I want to share with you is the most important reason why I want to go to heaven. All the others are really just appetizers, so to speak. But the really reason, the main reason anybody would want to go to heaven is because that's where we will meet and see the Lord Jesus Christ. I just read in John chapter 14, verse 3, where Jesus said, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. read a little poem that said this, Here in this world He bids us come, there in the next he shall bid us welcome. There was a theologian who once said this, we know very little about heaven. He said, but a theologian described it this way, it is an unknown region with a well-known inhabitant. And there's not a better way really to think of heaven than that. My knowledge of that life is small, the, the eye of faith is dim, but it's enough that Christ knows all and I shall be with Him. Y'all ever done any business travel? Maybe. You'd have to be gone for a business trip, for a training, or one of those important sessions they send you to for something that you come back and you don't even remember what it was about. And you've been gone for a few days. Let me guess what you did. 
when you got home, if you're, uh, you know, you, you get home, whether you, you were coming home to your mom or your dad, you know, you're a young person still living at home, you're married, you, you come home and boy, you, you run over to the couch and you give it a hug and you kiss the lamp. No. You run home, you go, go, up to, you go to your mother, your father, your girlfriend, your, 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 your wife or somebody that's there and you, you hug them and you, boy, I've missed you. Tell me what's been going on. Because, you know, I, I've, many of you, I've had the joy of moving a couple of times. And it's like, boy, really, it's, 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 just, it's a house. What makes it a home is the people that are there. That's, that's, the, that's what, makes, what makes heaven heaven. It's, it's that Christ is there. Jesus is there. There's no heaven without a Jesus. It's not heaven. You can call it what you want to. It may be streets of pure gold and look like clear glass and walls of jasper, but that doesn't make it. That's not, what, that's not heaven. Heaven is where Jesus is at. And I've got wonderful news for you today. You can go. This place that I've tried to describe to you, I want you to know that it's, it's open. It, it's not, it's not, it, there's still vacancies. You can make your reservation if you have it. You, you can make reservations today. You can, you can go to heaven. You can go to be with, you can, you can know Jesus. And the fact is, eternal life, John, Jesus said in John chapter 17 verse 3, this is eternal life that they may know thee the only true God in Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. That's eternal life. That's, that's, it's knowing Him. Paul said it this way in 1 Corinthians 15. He summarized the gospel. Now brothers, I want to clarify for you the gospel that you received and have taken your stand on you are also saved by it if you hold to the message I proclaim to you unless you believed for no purpose. For I passed on to you as most important what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that He was buried, and that He was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. And Paul goes on in other places and says, if anybody else preaches any other gospel to you, it ain't a true gospel. The fact is, there's good news. And the good news is that this place called heaven that Jesus, where, where He is at, and the place that He went to go and prepare for us is open to anybody who will trust and put their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Heaven's a beautiful place. It's perfect. It's beautiful. I want to go there and meet the citizens of that place, but most of all, I want to go see the One who made it all possible. I want to close with a, uh, an illustration that... Uh, I heard many years ago, uh, many of you may have heard about it, but a preacher by the name of Alistair Begg gives this really good illustration about the gospel. And he says, and he, and he uses the passage that's found in Luke chapter 23, where there's, you know, Jesus is in the middle cross and there's two thieves on both sides. And at, at, at some point when they're hanging there, both the thieves are just cussing and railing at Jesus. They're just, they're just you know, if, if you really are Him, come down and take, get down and take us with you. And then they start, they're cussing at Him. They're, and then something happened to one of the thieves. He, we, we, sometimes we refer to Him as the repentant thief. At some point, there on the cross, He looks over at Jesus and says, 
you know, remember me. And what did Jesus say? Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. Alistair Begg gives this illustration. He says, look, can you imagine when this thief, after he dies and he goes to heaven, there's an angel standing there. And, and the look on the angel's face, he's shocked. How in the world are you here? Now, I'm paraphrasing this, okay? He says, I, I'm just shocked. How, how'd you get here? Thief shrugged his shoulders. I'm not real sure. Well, talk to me. Tell me about the justification by, by grace. Never heard of it. Well, what's your doctrine of Scripture? He just looks at him like, I don't know. Oh, let me go get the supervisory angel. I've got to figure this out. And he goes and gets his supervisor. And they look at him and say, What's your basis? How, how are you here? And he says, the thief just looks at him and says, the man on the middle cross said I could come. <laughs> the man on the middle cross said I could come. Don't you want to go? Don't you want to go? Two choices. Two choices. Two places. That's it. Two destinations. I want to go to heaven. Not because it's a beautiful, perfect place, and it is. Perfect provision. I want to go to heaven because it's absolutely beautiful. Beyond anything we could ever compare. I mean, these writers are doing the best they can, trying by the Spirit of God to, to explain, to, to illustrate what heaven will really look like and be like. I want to go to heaven because it's a place that many, many saints are at. People that, have, that God's grace, is, He saved them, loved them, and changed their lives. Just sinners saved by God's grace who were there just because the man on the middle cross said they could come. Most importantly, folks, I want you to know I want to go to heaven because I want to see the one who made it all possible. The nail prints in his hand. The one that went to a cross and he died willingly as a, as a sheep before its slaughter, opened not his mouth, gave his life. He didn't, he didn't go... Yeah, there were Roman soldiers there, but folks, they didn't, they didn't... It's not like they had to coerce or force and he went willingly... He went to a cross and he died. Not for his wrongdoing, but because of ours. That's why Jesus died. He did it for me. He did it for you. You will spend, you will be somewhere in eternity. There will never be a moment in time when you will cease to exist. Ever. Don't you want to go? Good news. Jesus Christ says you can come. Let he that is a thirst come. Let he that is hungry come. Let him that don't even have a dime on, in their pocket. Let him come. Take of the water of life freely. I'm going to ask the musicians if they would come. I want you all to stand with me just for a moment. Ask the ushers if they would come and we'll... When I had just a moment of an invitation, would you bow your heads with me just for a moment as our, as our ushers come and as Miss Brenda and Devin come? The Bible says this. The Bible says that we are all guilty. That there is none righteous, no, not one. The Bible says that for the wages of sin... 
is death. No way around that. We don't have, we don't have a choice in that matter. That's what, God's, that's what God's word has declared. This morning we're going to give you an opportunity to make a decision for Christ. If he's working on your heart and on your life, why don't you this morning give, your, give all that you know of yourself to all that you know of him. He invites you to come. He's not coercing. He's, he's encouraging. He's, he's, he's wooing you, compelling you to come. As Miss Brenda begins to play, we're going to play the uh, song. We're going to ask the ushers if they would come and uh, get the plates and we'll collect our next step cards. But during this time of invitation, I, I want to encourage you. Brother Danny, if you would come, would you care to come up here to the front? This morning, I want you to know that you're welcomed at this altar. You're welcome here to come talk to Brother Danny. Uh, I'd be glad to talk with you. There's others in the church that I know would be welcome and would love to talk with you. Don't leave here not knowing for sure where you'll be. Make it known. Make it sure. Make Christ the Lord and Savior of your life. Because He did, he did everything for you. Everything. He paid it all. You don't, there's not one cent, not one, nothing. He paid for the, for your sin debt as a gift for you. And all He asks of you is to receive. To receive Him. To confess that you are a sinner and that you need to be saved. More than any other need that you have. And Brother Danny talked about in his children's sermon that that, that man that was laid through that roof, the greatest need he had was, it wasn't his physical healing. The greatest need he had was his soul, was his spirit, spiritual need. Christ could take care of that. And folks, based upon, the, upon God's Word, I want you to know that He's the only one who can take care of that need that you have. I heard it described before as uh, we all have this God-shaped hole in our heart. He's the only one that can fill it. You can try to stuff a lot of stuff in there, fill it in with recreation and, and money and pleasure and education and all this stuff. But the only thing that can suffice your heart is the love of God. And it was shed abroad on a cross for all to receive. As we begin to sing, Brother Devin, I want to invite you to come. Come talk to Brother Danny. Maybe you're here and you're not taking your next step. Whatever that it is, but we invite you to come. Thanks for listening to this sermon podcast from Pleasant Hill Baptist Church. To learn more about the church, find out meeting times, or learn how to contact a pastor, please visit phbcsomerset.com.